0: Welcome to Warriors OffCourt, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Rusty Simmons, who's been a big help with the Chronicles Warriors coverage this season. During our conversation, we fielded readers pressing questions. Rusty, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, One of my favorite things this season has been uh, your coverage. Just, you know, you've always helped me out on the beat, but I feel like this season it's even ramped up a little bit you've been super helpful just helping me with the daily stuff then also like on days that i'm off making sure that our readers still have really in-depth content i really enjoyed the piece you did recently on james wiseman and how unique his situation is putting that in a historical context and there are a few other pieces you've done recently that i thought were awesome so wanted to have you um back on the pod how you been how are you feeling about you know even being more in depth with our Warriors coverage this season.
1: Well, this is a this is a fun Warriors team to cover because um, I know they're five hundred right now, but um, you don't know what you to expect on a day to day basis, and and that makes it fun. There, there were there were several years there where you just expected expected them to win every game. Um, in the decades before that you expected to lose every game. So this is kind of fun for every game to matter and, and to to kind of watch some development and some ups and downs. And uh, it makes it interesting for us as, as reporters to get to cover a team like that where where there are so many intriguing storylines.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're obviously not around the team on a day-to-day basis in person, like we normally would be. So it's a little harder to get a complete pulse on the locker room vibe and all that, but you can tell just talking to these guys that, there's a genuine sense of camaraderie, a genuine sense of likability. Like these guys get along. Um, and it feels like watching them sometimes, like it's almost like watching a college team. And I mean that in a complimentary way. Um, like they're, they're playing hard, they're doing the right things. They have the right joy and ethos kind of reminiscent of, of those dynasty warriors teams. I'm not saying they're at that level, but, um, you know, they have a lot of the intangibles I think you're looking for in a young team. And um, I think that's why they've been somewhat surprising this season. I don't think – I mean, it kind of depends on what your expectations for them were entering the season. But I think it's not so much their record, but um, just how they've won certain games. I mean, coming back from the huge deficits um, against really good teams. I mean, beating uh, the Clippers a couple weeks ago, coming back from a 22-point deficit a few days ago, beating – The Lakers on the road coming back from a 19-point deficit on national TV. Uh, A couple days ago, just completely thoroughly routing a decent Spurs team at home. Um, Probably their most complete game of the season. Um, You're seeing that this team has some things that recent Warriors teams didn't have. It's got the length. It has the athleticism. Now, it's still flawed in certain ways, but it does have some things going for it that recent teams didn't.
1: Yeah, I think you're hitting on some key points there. They kind of have to play um, with that dogged college mentality um, because they don't have the talent of those dynastic teams, right? (laughs) Kevin Durant's not on this team. Clay Thompson's still in a walking boot as he recovers from Achilles. So they don't have that talent, but they have – some of the intangibles, they have some guys who are energy guys. They have some length and some athleticism. They have some guys who will stick their nose in their own defense. So they're doing a lot of those things right now and, and they still get to play with number 30. So the, there is still one of the most talented players in the league on this squad.
0: So for today's podcast, I wanted to turn it over to our readers and our listeners and ask them what they want to know about. And so today's going to be a mailbag podcast. I love doing mailbags in the written form. um, But I also enjoy doing them verbally uh, because we can kind of bounce ideas off each other and kind of answer these questions together. Um, Got a bunch of interesting questions. A lot of them have to do with kind of some of the fringes of the roster and and potential moves. Um, And one thing that's been interesting to me this season is a lot of times you know, I obviously track the numbers and how much my stuff's being being read. And, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty much understood and guaranteed that if I write a big piece on Steph, it's probably going to get decent numbers. Um, What's been interesting to me is like, I'll write about Michael Mulder, or Justinian Jessup, who's not even on the team, or, uh, you know, someone like Juan Descano Anderson. And people are reading people people are interested in these guys Nico Mannion another example written about him he's barely played this season until yesterday um, and people people want to know and I think that's just because that, that's the level of interest in this team I think people are hungry uh, to know about every facet of the team down to the 15th maybe even 17th guy if you count the two-way guys so um, our first questions about Juan uh, this is from at SM panop Pano, Palos, Panopoulos, and I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher some of these Twitter handles. But uh, the question is, what happened to Juan Descano Anderson? I thought he looked good at the beginning of the season and now he's out of the rotation, question mark. Um, Juan, it, it's a few things with Juan. Um, the reason he played meaningful minutes to start the season and actually started a couple games was because Draymond was obviously out with that foot issue. Um, They didn't have a lot of depth at that power forward position. Um, It was pretty clear after the Warriors got routed in those first two games that Pascal is much better coming off the bench, that he's just not a great fit in that starting unit, that he needs to be kind of a number one or number two option with the second unit to really showcase his skills. And we've also learned that he's great as a small ball five. Um, Whereas, Toscano, the great, the thing that makes him great is not obviously not his scoring ability, but um, his ability to play off others, to make good decisions, to play hard, um, to make the, the good screen, the extra pass. And so he's really nice as kind of like that fifth guy in a, in a, in a talented lineup. Um, but since Draymond came back, there just hasn't been a ton of need for him because you have, you have Draymond doing his thing starting to round back into form, get in shape. You have Pascal, who's been phenomenal, um, especially as that small ball five. Um, and then you have Kavon Looney, who's, who's been giving some some re- reliable minutes. Um, so there's just – and then you, you've actually been playing some small lineups. You've been playing Andrew Wiggins, who's been helpful in that position at, at the four. Um, so there's just – it's nothing really against Juan himself, um it's just there's not a ton of need for him right now and also keep in mind that he's on a two-way deal and the way the two-way is this year you can only play 50 of a possible 72 game so they got to be smart with how they use him um and you know potentially they might want him down the stretch of the regular season if they're vying for a playoff berth and so you don't want to waste his 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 appearances in like early january mid-january um so what have you thought about Juan, and, and what do you see his role being going forward?
1: Yeah, I, I think you hit on a lot of it that um, he did exactly what they asked him to do early in the season. Um, he ended up becoming the the starter at the power forward because he, he kind of does some of the things that Draymond Green does, um, and when Draymond Green came back, a lot of that wasn't needed. Um and they've now, you mentioned a ton of guys who are playing the 5-4 position, but they're basically playing Damian Lee now at the backup power forward spot. So um, as the team desperately needs shooting, that's one of the few things that Juan is never going to give them. So, so that, that's a position for, for Damian Lee or for Andrew Wiggins or for uh, Kevon Looney to be playing backup five or Eric Pasch will be playing backup five. There aren't a lot of minutes there. Um, so that's the reason why he's not doing it. And and you brought up the biggest point of all of it is that Steve Kerr is being really careful with those two-way guys right now. Um, they can only play 50 games. He thinks there are going to be more meaningful games down the road. The Warriors still have not been hit hard by the coronavirus. They still haven't been hit hard by the injuries. And Kerr's trying to make sure that he has players for that situation. Um, it hurt him last night. <laughs> You can't you can't guess before the game that Draymond Green's going to get ejected, and so you make Nico Mannion active instead of Juan Toscano-Anderson. They they desperately could have used one last night, and that would have been a perfect situation. But there's no way to guess that going into a game, and it just it just worked the wrong way for them.
0: Yeah, and and the the thing that we a little bit of a re- revelation for me yesterday was. Um, Nico Mannion um, he, he's a guy who is their other two-way guy has not gotten a lot of opportunity so far this season um, but came in and I thought looked like he knew what he was doing you know he made a couple mistakes here and there but um, he had four assists in eight minutes he he did exactly what he was asked to do running that offense um, allowing Steph to play even more off the ball he seemed to understand the reads he seemed to understand that system works and so i was super impressed with with a small sample size from him he's gotten rave reviews out of practice from from steve and so um i'm not sure really there's a ton of a uh, that much of a role for him going forward this season just because brad watermaker their backup point guard has been you know really solid um and you don't necessarily want to take more minutes away from him but um i think nico could be a factor long term keep in mind that even though he's a two way the Warriors have his rights going forward. So they can bring him back, you know, um, you know, in some sort of capacity next season. And um, that could be something to, to follow going forward. So you got to feel good right now about what you're getting from those guys toward the, toward the back end of your roster. You know, Michael Boulder was playing really well. He's not, he's kind of, he's, he's lost some minutes recently. Cause he's, they, cause Steve's trying to give Jordan Poole some more run, but but he's a real factor as a catch and shoot specialist, shooting great from beyond the arc. So um, you' got to be really happy with what you're getting from those guys. Um, the next question is from at Besong, Michelle. Um, what changes need to be made to the roster before the trade deadline to improve the team?
1: Um, they need a rebounder. <laughs> that uh, I know that Coach Curry is right in continuing to harp on the def- defensive problems one of the biggest problems is that they play decent defense for 24 seconds and then don't secure the rebound and they got to play defense again for 24 seconds. Um, and nothing is ever going to happen offensively if they're not rebounding and getting out in transition. So to me, that's, that's been the biggest problem of the entire uh, first 15 games of the season is that they, they can't rebound. Um, they're small. They, 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 they are not fundamentally sound in rebounding. They don't put their bodies on other people. Uh, the guards don't get to the free throw line. And so, it, to me, I would go get just a dogged, dogged rebounder. Um, there are some guys out there, and there are guys like, I think, P.J. Tucker is one that maybe they go maybe they go get somebody like that who can defend multiple positions, who's a dog, who rebounds. Uh, that's just to throw a name out there, but but I think there are there are ways to find a rebounder. That's not an asset that um, a ton of NBA teams are hanging on to. I think you can go get a rebounder.
0: Yeah, PJ Tucker is the name that's mentioned a lot with that 9.3 million dollar disabled player exception. Um, who I'm most intrigued by. Um, he's a guy the Warriors have liked for a long time for good reason. He's played really well against the Warriors in some important playoff series. He, I think he fits with the Warriors are about. He can be a great small ball five for them. Um, he's really strong physically. Um, he's smart. He can knock down the open three. He can he can out hustle guys, get rebounds. Um, so I think he makes a lot of sense if they can get him. There's no guarantee they could, but um, if you can if you can get him, I, I would do that. Um, to me, the question is who do you part with because you're you have a full roster right now. Um, you'd have to waive someone. Um, I don't I don't think you want to wave Michael Mulder, even though he was kind of the last guy to make the roster. I don't think you want to waive him. I think I think he provides enough value as as a catch and shoot guy that you don't you don't part with him. Uh, Jordan Poole hasn't gotten a ton of minutes, but he's uh, he has enough upside. He's still really young. They already they already guaranteed or they already picked up the option for his third year. So I would be surprised if they parted with him. And so to me, probably the, the only logical option would be parting with uh, Alan Smiley-Geech, um, which is still kind of tough because they were so high on him. They were so intrigued by his long term upside. He's only 20 years old. Um, so do you want to give up on him this early um, when he w- hasn't really gotten a fair shot to prove what he can do? He uh, you know, has been injured all season, uh, had the meniscus, which was horrible timing for him obviously the g league season has, has been shortened they only have 15 games i'm not sure he's going to be able to come back for that so it's like do you do you give up on a guy when you don't even know what he is really um so that'll be a tough decision but honestly they might have to make it and then you know it could be a situation where he ends up landing with another team and becoming this this stud you know pip and pop big man you know like a, a davis bertans type guy which which I know the Warriors are trying to groom him into being but that's just some of the tough decisions a front office has to make in the NBA
1: yeah and this is a, this is a bad uh, continuation of that because I don't even know the answer but if uh if the NBA allows another roster spot another two-way contract um I'm not sure can they make any of their current guaranteed contract switch those into it kind of like they did last year with marquise chris like take a chance where you wave a guy and then sign him back to a two-way deal um so if they if they trade for a guy a veteran it doesn't have to be pj tucker but if they trade for a guy to take that 18th spot can they wave jordan Poole or smiley Gees guys who aren't going to get picked up by other teams and then try to bring them back on a two-way contract that might be an interesting chance to
0: take you probably have to park With either juan or nico which i'm not sure you really want to do either um i don't think it's the end of the world if you part with one of them but no it'll be really interesting um i don't think that the warriors like have to add someone at the trade deadline or have to add someone on the buyout market uh the reality is this is a team that could make the playoffs this season could maybe even steal a first round series but in the grand scheme of things is that really that huge of a deal um it's it's really all about next season it's all about uh trying to chase a title with a healthy clay and so you know if 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 someone like pj tucker isn't going to be around for that you know um do you really do you really want to sacrifice the development of someone like alan smilich um i don't think they have to do it it would like you said they do have some weaknesses probably rebounding defensive rebounding specifically being number one but um you know they're kind of in a good position when it comes to that. In my mind, I actually think that they like their roster right now. I think um, they have a really nice mix of youth and, and vets, and and size and length and athleticism. So um, they don't have to do something. Um, and so the the next the next question is from Dean underscore Isking: Do the Warriors plan to increase James Wiseman's minutes? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, the Warriors have talked specifically Steve Kerr has talked um, many times about the fact that Wiseman is going to play a bigger role probably in the near future that um, I think we've all seen enough from James to know that he has all the potential in the world and could be and should be a legitimate franchise center for this team um, but from a player development standpoint do you do you do you want to put him in that, you know, 28, 30-minute range already um, when, when he is still very much figuring out the game? Uh, Steve has talked about they want to ease him in because since, since he didn't have a lot of practices, um, he didn't have a summer league. He went 13 months between playing his final college game and playing his first NBA game. Um, it's really important for him to continue to learn on the fly. And he's been great in film study. He's been great at putting in the extra work away from the arena but there is something to be said i think for being on the bench and learning in game um and being able to kind of ease into it um right now he's playing 21.2 minutes per game he's most of his his outings have been in that low 20 low 20s range um i'm not sure i feel the need to like put him in that 30 minute range like within the next few weeks or even next month or so i think you know, maybe hopefully you get him in up toward that range by the end of the season. But I don't, I don't, I wouldn't be in a rush. I mean, the, this, this is an incredibly important asset for the Warriors going forward. You want to treat him with as much caution as possible. You want to be fair. You want to do the right thing by his development. And would it be tempting at times to to have him have a higher usage? Sure. But you know, it's not really about this season for him. It's about what he's going to be in two, three years when Steph, Clay and Draymond are well under their thirties and are declining in production and maybe nearing retirement. You know, you want James to be in a position where he's the legitimate bona fide face of the franchise. And so, you know, to get to that point, you really need to be careful about how you're developing him.
1: Yeah. I, I like everything you said there. And, um, Look, if, he, if, if the question is whether he's going to go from 21 to 25 minutes a game, that doesn't even have to do with the Warriors. That's up to James Wiseman because the only reason he's not at 25 minutes a game is because he's in foul trouble, right? Now, the next question from 25 to 30 minutes, um, that, that comes down to game situations and personnel. But I love the way the Warriors are dealing with him right now. They're starting him, so he gets to play with the best players. He gets to go against elite competition Um, So he sees that at the beginning. And then we've seen him in both mop-up duties at the end of games. When they played their best game against the Spurs, he was the only starter still out there on the court at the end of the game, just mopping up, getting minutes. Uh, We saw it again last night after they played one of their worst games of the year against the Knicks. He was out there mopping up. So he's getting minutes both with the elites and just minutes to absorb things and to mop things up and I think that's great that that's probably what you should do with a rookie during during his first season um giving him minutes on both sides of it and the extra three to five minutes that can go one way or another are up to him if if he stops reaching if he stays down and doesn't jump doesn't commit fouls he'll play 25 minutes a night
0: we'll have more of my conversation with rusty simmons right after the break The next question is from at Clark 2 uh, Would the Warriors consider signing Omari Spellman after he was cut by the Knicks? He played well for them last year and they could use another big. That's an interesting question. Um, Spellman is a guy, to me, he's a, a case study on like how much the NBA is just all about fit and opportunity. Um, he to me has proven that he can be a legitimate player in this league. Um, He coming out of Villanova, he struggled his rookie season in Atlanta with his weight issues, which was why they gave up on him after one year. Um, It felt like he found new life with the Warriors last season. He seemed really happy talking to him. He was so appreciative of getting meaningful minutes and being in a franchise that legitimately believed in him. Um, And the Warriors parted with him in that, that trade, that blockbuster trade that, deadline deal with minnesota not because they didn't like him but because uh they just needed to include him to get under the luxury tax and so he goes to a situation in minnesota where they didn't really want him they didn't really need him they were already completely crowded in that front court so there weren't really any minutes for him they only got him because the warriors needed to get under the luxury tax and so he doesn't have an opportunity there ends up playing some games in the g league is dealt to Knicks, it's a part of another deal. They don't really want him either, so or need him, and then they end up cutting him, which is unfortunate because he's it's he's a good player, you know. I think he can provide value as like a floor-spacing big man in this league. He just hasn't been in a situation recently that where he's needed. Um, so I hope for his sake, knowing him a little bit personally, I hope for his sake he ends up in a situation where he's valued and someone actually can use him. Uh, cause I think he can, he's going to feel motivated for sure. And he's going, I think he has the tools to help it, it, whether or not that's with the warriors, I don't know. I mean, could the warriors potentially use more of a floor spacing big man? Yeah, sure. Uh, but they are trying to make, um, James Wiseman a little bit of that, um, Marquis Chris, when he's healthy, I think can knock down an open three, um, I actually really like the Warriors center rotation right now in a lot of ways. Um, even without Chris, obviously, Eric Pascal has been a revelation as a small ball five. So I'm not sure there's like a ton of minutes for, for Omari Spellman if the Warriors wanted to, to add him. I think it, maybe it's a situation next season where um, they sign him to a two way deal. If he's available, you know, take a flyer on him, but uh, you know, odds are, he's not going to be coming back to the Warriors anytime soon. And as someone who got to know him a little bit, I, I wish the best for him. I hope he finds an opportunity because you see how thin the line is between success and failure in this league. You know, I, it's very possible he'll have to go overseas and maybe we'll never hear from him again. And it's really no, for no fault of his own. You know, he got in shape with the Warriors. He did what he had to do. He just got unlucky and that happens.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, it's right. And, and, and it's, it's not a terrible suggestion. Um, if the NBA allows an 18th roster spot, he he's under four years of experience. He could be on a two way deal. Um, and the Warriors would give C- coach Kerr has proven time and time again, he's not going to let somebody ride on the bench. So they would give him an opportunity. Um, if he could be closer to the bruise brothers, Omari Sto- Spellman, than the space space creating five or four, then, then he could find a spot here, but that's, that Like you're talking about, that's the thin line that he's playing right now. He's right on the verge of being an NBA player, and he has to find the right opportunity. I'm not sure it's with the Warriors, but it's not a terrible idea.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, the next question is from um, – the next question is from at GSW Fanatic. Props to you. I think I get a question from you almost every mailbag, and they're always good questions. Um, the question is, can Jessup be brought out for, for some play here later this season? Um, You know, I've, I've got a lot of questions recently about Justinian Jessup. I think a lot of people are really intrigued by him. Understandably, um, he was a late second-round pick in November out of Boise State for the Warriors. He's a knockdown shooter, uh, shot around 40% from three last season on over seven attempts. Um, people have compared him a little bit to Duncan Robinson, which is obviously super high praise. Um, you can't have too much shooting in the NBA especially in the Warriors system. And he's a great shooter. So um, there could potentially be a role for him, but part of the reason why the Warriors drafted him was because they didn't really have a roster spot available for this season, especially on a late second round pick. Um, So when they decided to keep that pick, they wanted ideally a draft and stash guy. So instead of going out and getting some random guy from Serbia, they drafted Justinian Jessup knowing that he already had signed a deal in Australia so their thought process was go do your thing in Australia on the, on the Hawks, which is the Illawarra Hawks, which if you remember is the team that Lamoa ball played for last season, go do your thing there. We'll, we'll track your progress. If you impress us, then we'll try to bring you over potentially as soon as 2021, 22, um, as kind of like a catch and shoot specialist type guy. Um, he's played a couple games for the Hawks already. And he has looked really good. Um, He had a great game last week. I think he had like 24 points, knocked down all four threes that he shot. I actually watched some of that game. Um, That's how obsessive I am. I watched some of that game on Twitch. And he looked good. Like he knew what he was doing. He was in the right places on the floor. He was confident. Um, He's actually better off the ball than I thought he'd be. He can can also handle the ball a little bit. So he's more than just a shooter. Um, He has got some other parts of his game that I like um, but to answer the reader's question I don't think there's a spot for him on this team this season I think you let him finish out his season in Australia you let him do his thing and then you really you reevaluate next season you know you see how your roster comes together next season maybe you leave him in Australia for another year you know maybe you know continue to let him do his thing and and bring him when you have a spot the role that they would want him to play is almost the exact same role that Michael Mulder plays. Um, and Michael Mulder is proven that he can handle that role. So like, if you bring on over, bring someone over like Jessup, do you have a need for Mulder anymore? Maybe you wait until Mulder for whatever reason is no longer on the roster. Um, but it, at the end of the day, smart move by Bob Myers, take him, get, especially given in the situation late in the second round, I think he could be a piece going forward. If nothing else, if he continues to do well in Australia, maybe he's a little bit of a trade asset. You know, you you package him in a deal for someone uh, for a team that's followed what he's doing in Australia, and you know they they take him on, trying to bring him into their rotation. So just smart asset stockpiling by Bob. I thought it really shrewd move for him.
1: Yeah, when when I don't know the answer, I usually just defer to the Warriors and. The Warriors didn't want the second-round pick. They didn't want to take him, but they had the pick. They couldn't trade it, so they took him. Um, And they took a guy knowing that he couldn't play here this year, Uh, and I don't think they have an intention of bringing him next year. Um, That answers the question. Now, he is an intriguing prospect, and if he knocks down 50% of his three-point shots in the NBL, then – maybe they'll consider it, but uh, we probably shouldn't get too carried away.
0: Um, the next, the next question is from at Bay Ray 80. How's Chris's recovery after surgery? Um, I'm going to expand this question a little bit and basically build off it and, and, and ask what is Chris's role going forward once he comes back? Because everything I've heard about Chris's recovery, it's on, it's on track. Um, he's going to be out at least another few months um so you know he could potentially come back toward the end of the regular season um i wouldn't expect him to have a huge role even when he comes back just given the emergence of pascal as a small ball five um and when you if you continue to have a healthy Wiseman and looney playing pretty well and then pascal dominating as that small ball five I, i just don't know if you have a ton of need for for chris right now so It's a little unfortunate for Chris because he had, you know, been a revelation last season, kind of broke through after almost being out of the league. Um, And then he gets injured and that injury ends up showing something in, in Pascal's game that the Warriors weren't super aware of, which is great for the Warriors, but it also potentially hurts Chris's ability to be a factor in this rotation going forward. So what do you think is going to happen with him when he does eventually come back, assuming he's able to be, the player he was before.
1: Who knows? Um, I like his game, and, and I like the way he plays. And um, a broken leg is is no joke. I, who knows if one of the things that he relied on was an insane athleticism, right? So, who knows what kind of athlete he is when he returns? Um, but you hit on one of the things that I would always think about when I think about Marquise Chris is the Warriors had no idea that Eric Paschal was a backup five. And it reminds me so much of the year that Draymond Green took over the starting power forward spot from David Lee. It was the last exhibition game. David Lee checks in with like five minutes left to go and blows out his groin and Draymond Green becomes the starting power forward. And he never gave up that spot again. I don't think Eric Paschal has given up his spot as the go-to guy, the go-to scorer on the second team. I don't think he's given that up again. So now Marquise Chris has to find another role. And that, that's hard. That, that happens in this league all the time. And um, I, I really appreciate what Chris has done with the Warriors, reclamating his career, but he might have to do it somewhere else now at this point because that spot's gone.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. it's unfortunate. I feel for him. He's a good dude. Yep. He's done all the right things but sometimes that just happens in the NBA you know you get injured and the guy behind you is awesome and suddenly you're out of a job or your role is smaller um so it'll be interesting I do think he's at least proven he's an NBA player so if it's if he doesn't end up sticking with the Warriors I have no doubt in my mind he's going to land somewhere um and that's really what matters because you know a year ago this guy was legitimately almost out of the league so He's got to at least be happy with what he's gotten out of his Warriors tenure in terms of just proving that he, be, proving that he belongs. Um, my final question, and I'm excited about this one. This one's from at Marva Cuffey. Um, can the Dubs find a way to get Jeremy Lynn on the roster? He will help the offense. Everyone's saying his NBA career is over. I don't think so. Linsanity can still play. Um Rusty, you know that I love the G League. I love, like, I'm just kind of weird about that. I love, like, those reclamation project stories. I love the comeback story. Um, Jeremy Lin is the ultimate example of that right now. Um, I did a a bigger piece last week on him. Um, Just for those who don't know, uh, he turned down a seven-figure offer to return to China where he was one of the faces of the league last season. To try to resuscitate his NBA career um, and signed with Santa Cruz Warriors, where he'll be uh, in the G League bubble next month. Um, talked to him last week, and he's basically just banking on himself. You know, he's like, I just want to prove to myself that I can still play in the NBA. He's 32 years old, probably his last chance. And so he's just going to try to do his thing in the bubble and latch on with some NBA team. Um, keep in mind, he's not an affiliate player, he's not under contract with Golden State. So, he could sign anywhere um, with Golden State or any other NBA team. Um, as far as the Warriors, uh, I don't think the Warriors really see themselves signing him at any point. I mean, I think they like him enough. Obviously, he has a personal relationship with the lakers He he grew up playing against Kirk Lacobb, Joe's son, and who's assistant general manager for the Warriors in AAU. Um, but – I just don't. I don't think the Warriors feel the need. Um, they like Brad Wanamaker as their backup point guard. Uh, we just talked about Nico Mannion, who who has potential as another option. They also have a bunch of secondary ball handlers and Draymond Green and potentially even Jordan Poole. So I don't think you need Jeremy Lin. Um, that that being said, do I think Jeremy Lin could still help an NBA team? Potentially, yeah. I mean he's another example of how like thin the line is between success and failure in the NBA. He, he basically had a couple bad injuries. He missed almost an entire season with, um, with the Nets a few years ago. Um, and then had like a 10 game stretch with Toronto where he wasn't great and then got out of their rotation. And then suddenly he's out of the league. Uh, but you know, he, when he's in the right system, when he's in that kind of D'Antoni type system where he has freedom of movement and he can do his thing, He can be helpful i mean the what he did with linsanity was it was rooted in ability that wasn't a complete aberration you know and he he showed flashes of that with other teams um he he never got to that level again but he was helpful for for you know the hornets and the nets and uh the lakers um so um you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I I don't see it happening with Golden State, though. I don't see him getting another opportunity with Golden State. As cool of a story as that would be, you know, kind of the full circle thing with the hometown kid from Palo Alto who got his first opportunity in the NBA with Golden State. He actually – He actually I don't want to say begged, but he seriously asked Kirk Laco for an opportunity in training camp, and they were like, nah, nah, but
1: we can get you a G League spot. Well, that would be an amazing story. Um, And if the listeners haven't read Connor's story on Jeremy Lin, they should at sfchronicle.com. You should check that out. It's uh, it's worth the time. Um, Connor, I I do know how much you love the G League and these French players. I think we've spent the majority of this podcast talking about the Warriors 16th to 22nd men on a 17-man roster. But, but uh, Jeremy Lin has no chance of playing for the Warriors this year. Now, I was there at the beginning when Jeremy Lin was first with the Warriors. Um, and I saw a practice where Mate Ellis called him a clown and said, uh, you're just here for marketing and really questioned him. And to see what Jeremy Lin turned himself into, I'll never question that dude again. He he is a player. He's a player who still has something left that could do something for an NBA team in the right situation. It's not the Warriors. But but it's great that he has a chance, to, that he loves the game so much that he's willing to go to a bubble and play in the G League, turn down money to go play somewhere else where he can do marketing deals, go play in the G League to get a chance. And, and I bet he does. I bet he gets a chance and, and does something.
0: Rossi, thank you so much for, for joining me. On the pod, Um, you know, like I said earlier, you've been such an asset on the beat. You always are, but it's been really cool even seeing you do more stuff on the beat this season. Um, Where can our readers find you in in case they haven't already uh, been, been following along?
1: I'm old school. I still like the hard copy. I hope everybody subscribes to the San Francisco Chronicle, gets it on their doorsteps and gets to read it. Um, if not, you can go to sfchronicle.com, and then there's all kinds of social media stuff. I'm not good at it, but I think there's some Twitter accounts and everything out there that you can check out.
0: Our thanks to Rusty Simmons for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed catching up with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.